Come on. Good morning. How we doing today? I said, how we doing today? Would you stop praying for the rain? We've got enough, man. What is going on? Have you? I've never seen this much rain in probably 20 years, but we need it, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, we need it. And we need the rain of the Holy Spirit too. I said, we need the rain of the Holy Spirit too. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good to have you in church. Come on, say hi to your neighbor on both sides. What's up? What's up? Amen. You ready to get into the word? All right. Before you do that, let's just welcome everybody watching the service online. Come on, let's put our hands together. Amen. Thank God for technology that even if you have COVID or the flu or you're sick, you can still watch the service, right? But it's, it's awesome being in the house, right? I said it's awesome being in the house. You're a little quiet this morning. You're making me nervous. Should I go backstage and we just call it a day? All right. Luke chapter 11. Grab your Bibles. Turn to Luke chapter 11. If you weren't here last week, uh, we began a series called Essentials. Everyone say Essentials. And uh, last week we talked about the importance of the Word of God. Muy importante. The palabra de Dios. See? Not bad, huh? Hey, hey, hey. Hallelujah. How many are thankful for God's Word? Amen. And uh, we said last week that the Word of God is available in abundance. God's Word is uh, accessed uh, individually. Like it's my responsibility to get into the Word. Praise God that when we come to church on Sunday, we have pastors at our church that love the Word of God and preach the Word of God. But it's my responsibility to feed myself Monday through Saturday. And then uh, thirdly, uh, we said something about like it needs to be absorbed every single day, not every other day, not once a week. And again, no condemnation, but just like we want to be fired up about the word of God. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you uh, just in the last six or seven days, you did a better job diving into the word of God? Let me just see your hands. Yeah. Come on, give yourself a hand for that. That's awesome. Let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. That was really weak. That was like a golf clap. Come on, give yourself a hand. That's awesome. Keep it up. Keep it up. Every day, let's get into the Word of God. And uh, today, I want to talk about uh, our second essential. I want to talk about prayer. Someone say prayer. And uh, gosh, man, this whole, this whole DeMar Hamlin thing, it's pretty awesome in a sense that it's been rallying and stirring people, even people who don't even believe in prayer to start praying, right? And we're seeing, we're seeing like on the football field, like grown men bending over in their outfits, right, and then uh, they're, they're praying, getting in circles, praying, coaches are praying, and uh, like, did you see the commentator on ESPN, he just stopped in the middle of the uh, sportscast, and he, he opened up in prayer, and how I many know oh, they weren't shutting any of it down, which is really interesting, because a couple of years ago, I don't know if you heard about this, but a high school coach, he was assistant football coach in Washington, the state of Washington, and he just invited all the players uh, on his high school team. Hey, uh, not forced to, but if you want to um, join me at the 50-yard line after the game, you, you're, you don't have to do it. But I want to invite anybody to come and pray. And there was just a handful of kids. And uh, it, it got so out of control that, that people actually uh, turned him in and um, he lost his job because he just asked kids to join him in prayer. And uh, so loses his job. It goes all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court shot it down. The guy got his job back and said that we're still a nation of prayer. But it's interesting that just a couple of years ago, this guy lost his job. And now the whole world is praying for one football player. And uh, now, I mean, no, they're, in a, they're in a predicament. They're in a pickle. Because if you're going to let all these people pray because of an injury, then you've got 
you got to let the rest of us pray to the glory of God. Amen. So I want to talk about, I want to talk about prayer today and we're going to look at God's word. Luke chapter 11 uh, verses 1 through 4. I think it'd be awesome if we could just stand to our feet for the reading of the word of God. Is that cool? Is that cool? Luke chapter 11, just four verses and then I'll get out of your way. Luke chapter 11 verse 1 through 4. Reading out of the NIV translation. If you have another translation, God loves you too. Uh, But this is just the public one that we use, NIV, the New International Version. And uh, here we go, ready? One day Jesus is praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And let's read the last couple words together out loud. Ready, go. And lead us not into, one more time. And lead us. Lord, thank you for the word of God, the people of God, the spirit of God. And we acknowledge that you're in this place right now. We give you glory. We ask you to speak to us. We put away all the distractions, the physical things, the emotional things, the things that we're anxious about, the things that we're worried about this week at work or school. We pray, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated there. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Prayer. Let's talk about prayer. Is that cool? Hey, by the way, I, when, I, when I first got saved, I went to uh, South Coast Fellowship. And I got, you know my story. I got saved in 1985. And uh, just give me a te- your attention just for a second. But we would do this every single Sunday. It was popular back then in the middle of the worship set. Hey, maybe after the second or the third song, the pastor would get up and say, okay, we're going to break into prayer squares. And I, I remember like the first time I went to church, it's intimidating. You're, you're sitting there, it's like your first or second time, and the whole service kind of stops. The guy's playing his keyboard, and then you get in a prayer square with three other people. Oh, that's really intimidating. And I used to fake like I had to go to the restroom or something. And, uh, but you, you get trapped sometime, and you're there on a square. And I, I didn't know anything about prayer. I didn't know anything about the Bible. And I remember getting in a square there. There's like four people. And, man, how intimidating. We don't do that anymore because, like, it's intimidating to visitors and n- nothing wrong with it. But I just remember I get in the prayer score right when I got saved. And there were some powerful prayers. You know what I'm talking about? Like old school Pentecostal ladies. And I'd be there and they're like, and I take authority in the name above all names. The name of Jesus. And I rebuke every wicked host. And, and I'm just like, wow, that was awesome. And then it would go around and I'm like, I've never even heard any of these words. And it would get to me. And they're like, Steve, you pray. I'm like. God good, devil bad. Amen. That was, that was, that's like all I had. You know what I'm saying? You, you ever felt like that? You get around people that are just like, and I think there's a lot of myths about prayer. Prayer is like you, you have to be a Christian for a long time. Prayer is you got to use eloquent words. Check this out. Here, here's prayer, ready? It's just simply talking and listening to God. That's it. It's just talking and listening to God. So I think We've kind of bought into all these myths that you have to be spiritually mature. You have to use all the right words or God doesn't really hear you. And uh, I'm going to kind of break down those myths. And let's just talk about talking and listening to God. Let me just ask you a question, by the way. Just with your hand lifted to make sure I'm in the right place. How many of you, like on a scale of 1 to 10, maybe your prayer life is a 2 or a 4 or a 1 or even a 7, 8 or 9? But how many, how many would just admit today, I've got my hand up, that you can you could take your prayer life to another level. Okay, come on, just raise your hand. And you're like, well, I'm 9.9, but, but how many know we can 
we can get to 10. So I, I want to talk about three things. Here we go, three things. And, uh, and uh, you're not going to be shocked, but they all start with the same letter. Ready? Here we go, ready? Number one, I'm going to talk about the priority of prayer. Number one, the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. It's just simply talking with and listening to God. See, I've been in a lot of hospital rooms. I've been in a lot of prayer meetings, hundreds and thousands of prayer meetings over the last 30-something years. And I've heard people say this in the hospital room. Well, we've done everything we can. I guess we'll pray. Like it's the last resort. How many know that it shouldn't be the last resort? It should be our number one priority. Uh, Philippians, Philippians, Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 7 says, pray continually. Pray continually. I love this Smith Wigglesworth. He's an old time evangelist, 100 plus years ago. He's fire. Here's what he said. He spent a lot of time with God. He said, I never pray more than 30 minutes, but there's never 30 minutes to go by that I don't pray. I like that. He's like, I, it's not like I, I sit alone for four or five hours, but there's not 30 minutes to go by in my life that I don't take time to pray. I, I love that. Notice what Jesus says in verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, in a certain place. The, the Bible mentions, listen, three, time, uh, three dozen times in the Gospels alone, it mentions Jesus Christ praying to the Heavenly Father. And I just have a question for you. Maybe this section over here. You're, I know you're really spiritual. But I, I, how many believe that, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and sinless and perfect? You guys in this section, raise your hand. You better get your hand up. He was, right? And notice this. But over, over 36 times in the gospel, we find Jesus Christ praying to the Father. Now, here's what I'm thinking. Like if God, Jesus Christ in the flesh who was perfect and sinless, needed to be with the Father, how much more, this section right here, how much more do you and I need to spend time with God on a daily basis, right? So it's not an afterthought. Prayer needs to be, here it is, a priority. Mark 1.35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place, and he prayed. Here it is. We need to pray first. Someone say pray first. I, I, I'm tempted, I think, now that I just said that. I just felt like it'd be cool maybe to make some wristbands for the whole church. We'd give them to you for free. And it would just say pray first on there. And we should do it. Does that sound like a good idea? Yes. Pray first just to remind us. What, look at me. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do before you have your coffee is you what? Pray first. Before you go to bed at night, I've been trying to do a better job of this at night, right before I fall asleep, just to pray first. When you get in your car on your way to work or the office or school, right, what should we do? We should pray for it before you get on the freeway because you know you're going to hit traffic and someone's going to cut you off. What should you do? Pray first before the exam. Pray first before the doctor's appointment. Pray for what would happen if we, instead of it being an afterthought, but we would seek God in prayer first before you start your homework or taking an exam. Pray first before you send the email to that person <laughs> that ticked you off. What should you do? Yeah, you should pray first. So prayer should be a priority. Again, we, we all lifted our hands earlier and said, well, I'm a two or a three or a four on a scale of one to ten. What would happen if everybody in the church over 2023, we, all of us would take it just to one level higher than we're doing now? Can you see how the atmosphere of our church can change for the glory of God? So we need to do what? We need to pray 
Not second, not third, not last. Listen, think about the drive that you have to work every day. You know how, how much time you can spend in prayer? Just turn off the radio for a little bit and pray first. Prayer needs to be a priority. And notice this, he says in verse uh, 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 1b, he says, Lord, teach us to pray. Now think about this. Do you know, God, he did some pretty awesome miracles, didn't he, in the New Testament? And when's the last time you raised someone from the dead? I think that's pretty awesome, right? H have you walked on water? How many of you raised your hand? I didn't think so, right? And how many of that, that's pretty hard to do. If you don't believe me, go fill up the bathtub when you get home and try to, that, that's an awesome miracle. He rose Lazarus from the dead. He gave a, a sight to the blind. And it's interesting, if I was one of the disciples, I think I would have probably asked Jesus, hey, hey, how about this? Can you teach me how to walk on water too? That'd be cool. Hey, Jesus, how did you raise people from the dead? I, I want that same power. But notice that they didn't ask him how to do miracles, how to give sight to the blind, how to open up deaf ears. But they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Of all the things they could have asked Jesus, that's what they asked them. Because they know that Jesus Christ's prayer life is what caused him to walk on water and to raise the dead. So he says, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. It's got to be a priority. I think some of the, look at me, some of the reasons we don't pray is because I think we get intimidated. Like we hear stories of, I first got saved, I read a lot of books on prayer and evangelists and Smith Wigglesworth and C.T. Studd and all these people. And you read about, they got up at four o'clock in the morning and spent the first two and a half hours in prayer. And I'm like, two and a half hours at 4 a.m.? I don't even think God's even up at 4 a.m. I'm like, four, that, that's intimidating, Right. For, I mean, forget about the fact that like 200 years ago they didn't have electricity and everybody went to bed at 7.30 at night. But I, I would hear stories about that. I'm like, I guess I'm just not a prayer guy if I got to get up at 4 a.m. Where you, you have a grandmother, right, that was a prayer warrior and she, every, every day, 30 minutes she prayed in English, 30 minutes in Spanish, an hour in tongues. And you're like, man, two hours in three different languages. I don't know if I can do that. So we just don't do it because we're intimidated. Yeah, we just got to pray, pray first. I'm going to give you some things to kind of help you, but I, I think if we would just pray first and take it to another level, our life could be so much different. But I, I think sometimes we use prayer like a parachute. We get an emergency. It's like, okay, yeah, so all, all we can do is pray or it's like a tug of war, right? God wants something and I want something. We're just like back and forth, back and forth. We're like fighting God or for some of us, a prayer is like a vending machine. So it's like, okay, I think today, today I need, uh, I need patience. I'll take one patience, poof, and then out comes patience. But prayer isn't a vending machine. Prayer should be our number one priority. Can someone say amen to that? I've realized this. I've been pastoring a long time. You know what I've realized? A lot of Christians, a lot of people in the room, a lot of people watching the service right now, they want, they want a date with God. Just once a week date. Every Sunday morning date, 9 o'clock. And typically most of them are late for that date. But that's another sermon altogether. <laughs> see, see God next week at 9 o'clock. But you know what? God doesn't want a date. He wants a mate. He doesn't want a date with you once a week. He wants a mate. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to talk to him and he wants to talk back to you and that we would listen. So, so it's got to be a priority in our life. Come on, let's all say it by faith. Pray first. Someone say pray first. 
pray first. You're like, well, I, see, I've thought this. Well, if God already knows what I need or what I want, then why should I pray anyhow? You ever thought about that? Like, if he's going to do what he's going to do, why should I pray? Well, how about this? We have any NFL fans here? Okay, so, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, they came up with a new rule where if there's a call on the play and the coach doesn't like the call, doesn't agree with the call, he can reach into his back pocket, throw up a red flag onto the field, and basically what that says is, I, I don't think that that was the right call. So the referee runs over and he looks, and they keep playing it back, playing it back, and sometimes they'll come back and they'll say, no, we thought it was a fumble, but no, he was down by contact, no fumble, and the referee will change the play on the field because of the coach that threw the red flag. That's what prayer is. That's what prayer is. Sometimes that we can pray according to the will of God, I'll talk about that in a second, and we can change the outcome of our lives and the lives of other people, and we can throw a prayer flag on the field. But it has to be a priority, so we need to pray. Come on, say it out loud. Pray what? Pray first. It's got to be a priority. I heard a pastor say this years ago. He said, you can tell how popular the church is by who comes on Sunday morning. You can tell how popular the pastor is by who comes to a midweek service. But you can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to a prayer meeting. Wow. So we, we're going to have a three days of prayer in a couple weeks and we'll see how popular Jesus is in our church by who shows up to first things first. It's got to be a priority to us. Number two, number one, the priority of prayer. Number two, the plan, the plan of prayer. I said last week, as it relates to the word of God, if you're going to change your behavior about something, it needs to become a habit. And uh, so let's talk about the plan of prayer. He says in Luke chapter 1, one day Jesus was praying. Notice this. He was praying where? In a certain, look at your Bible. He was praying where? In a certain place. Notice there are two important elements in the passage, a place and a plan. Let's talk about the place. The place. I think you should have a place. And it's not relegated to one place, but I think there should be a place. So let me just tell you about my life I get up, I come to the office pretty much Monday through Thursday and Sunday, and my place would be my office, but I gotta have I gotta have some espresso before I get into my office. And and Ralph is so gracious that he gets in before me and he turns my heater on to about 78 or 80 degrees. I like it, don't judge me. I like it hot. I don't like cold weather, I'm allergic to it. I like it 78, 80 degrees. I'll get in my office, I got my six or seven shots of espresso, don't judge me in the name of Jesus. And I'll sit there and I open up the word of God, I'll read a couple chapters in my Bible. And uh, after reading a couple of chapters in my Bible, then I'll, I'll start praying and I'll, I'll teach you the acronym that, that I use. So it's, it's, it's prayer, it's talking to God, listening to God. I got to just pray for me. I got to do a better job of listening to him. I think I'm getting better at, at talking, but I got to spend more time in silence, right? We're so busy, we're in such a hurry and we need to slow down and just let God speak. And sometimes it can be uncomfortable and inconvenient, but... So I'll get into my office and I'll, I'll read a couple of chapters of the Bible. Right now I'm reading through Proverbs and the book of Acts. This morning I read Acts chapter 21, a couple chapters of the Bible, and then I'll start praying. And I have an acronym that I want to teach you in a little bit, but it's just that's my place. Where's your place? The Bible says Jesus woke up and had a certain place. And again, you can, play, you can pray anywhere, anytime, all the time. But I think it'd be good if you had a place. It could be a rock. It could be a rocking chair. It could be out on the porch. I also like uh, some, once or twice a day, I'll just I'll walk the neighborhood here. I'll just go, go around the streets. And I like to walk 
and pray. I, I like this, when I cycle sometimes by myself, I like to pray when I'm just riding my bike. In fact, I don't know, about a week and a half ago, I was riding my bike by myself. I was out down Oxnard Boulevard, took a ride on Harbor, and Keenan Castaneda, remember Keenan? she was our worship leader, she just popped up into my, I wasn't thinking about Josh and Keenan, but boom, she just popped up. So I'm just riding my bike, I can tell you exactly where I was, by Levis Park Golf Course, and uh, I just started praying because I knew that she was uh, looking for a new job in, in Dallas, and uh, so I was just started praying for her, God give her favor, God, and uh, so it was like about a minute prayer was it. So later I got home, took a shower, me and my daughter went to uh, get something to eat. That was before the fast started. And I just said, hey, uh, on the way, I said, have you talked to Keena? And she goes, yeah, I just talked to her. And I said, uh, any news about her job? Because I was just riding my bike and I felt led to pray for her. And she says, yeah, she just had an interview at 11 o'clock. And I looked, at my, I looked at my watch and I'm like, are you kidding me? It was, I'll bet you it was exactly around the exact same time she was having an interview that God put her on my mind. Now... Listen, that sounds really spiritual. That doesn't happen all the time. But I think if you'll just stop a little bit and be quiet and let God speak, he'll bring things and people to your mind. I think you have to have a place. We see this all over the New Testament. Jesus got away to a solitary place. Let me say it again. Prayer can be everywhere, anywhere, all the time, at any time. But I think a place is good. And then you need a plan. Think about it. When you woke up, even before you woke up, you had a plan about coming to church today. Right? You decided what service you were going to come to. You decided what you were going to wear. Some of you should have prayed a little harder about that. No, I'm kidding. Okay. You prayed about what to wear. You prayed about what time you would leave, about what you would have for breakfast, about where you would park, about where you would sit when you got here. I mean, you had a plan. And I, I think a place is great, but I think a plan is also very helpful. Again, if, if we don't have a plan, so he says, notice in verse 2, when you pray... What does it say? When you pray, what? Say. When you pray, how, how many of you like me were raised Catholic? Let me see your hand. Come on, raise your hand. So we were taught, weren't you? Because I'd go in, I was a really bad kid. I'd go in and I would tell the priest what I did, and he's like, You need 5,000 Hail Marys and 2,000 Our Fathers. I'm like, I got to go to work in four hours. And, uh, but I was taught, most of us were taught that, that the Lord's Prayer is something that we pray. Now listen, I don't think there's anything wrong with praying the Lord's Prayer, but we, most people call it the Lord's Prayer. It's better titled the Disciples' Prayer. And, and, and it, listen, nothing wrong with praying the Lord's Prayer, but it was really meant as an outline or a format for you and I to pray. So he's not necessarily saying pray these exact words, but he's saying you got to have a plan when you pray. So here, I'm going to teach you an acronym, ready? If you have notes there, you can fill in the fourth. There's a lot of different ways you can pray. This is just what works for me because I need a plan because I'm really slow. Ready? It's the acronym ACTS, like the book of Acts. So write this down, number one. So you, you, you pick your place, maybe you read a couple, a chapter or two, and then, now you got a plan. A stands for adoration. Adoration. Notice this. Our Father... Who art in heaven, here it is, hallowed be your name. Hallowed just means to be set apart, to be different, to be holy. So sometimes I'll just get my office and I'll just say, first of all, thank you, God, that you're my father. You know, Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, I read this morning, says that, that our spirit cries out, Abba, Father. It's just Daddy God. God, thank you that you're my father. Thank you that I have a... So th this could be how you could pray. God, thank you that you're my father. Thank you that... 
that I have a relationship with you. Thank you, you died on the cross for me. And you just start giving God praise. You just adore him. You worship him. You just, listen, sometimes you could put on a cassette tape, or cassette tape, man, that just tells you how old I am. Sometimes you could put on a worship song, right, and just give God praise and just sing some of the songs we just sang. Or if you play an instrument, you could pull out your guitar and just, just like, you hallowed be his name. You just say, God, you're awesome. I, I, I've taught you this. Sometimes I'll just go through the alphabet. I'll just walk in my office or sit there and just say, God, thank you that you're awesome. Thank you that you're beautiful. Thank you that you're compassionate. Thank you that you're my deliverer. Thank you that you're eternal. Thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that you're good. You can just go through the, the adoration. I used to think like, what do you do when you pray? How many know that just adoration, you could spend 10 or 15 minutes just adoring God. You could read the book, like one chapter of Psalms and just say, God, thank you. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we adore God. I mean, you could spend a lot of time right there. Adoring God, worshiping God. There's no, no other God like you. A, adoration. C, confession. Confession. He says, forgive us our thin- sins. God, forgive me for the things that I said, the things I didn't say. Forgive me for my attitude. See, some of you could camp here for about two days. <laughs> Confessing, like I, I can, right? The things that I know I did, I lost my temper at work. I lost my temper with my kids, my anger. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, how many are grateful that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Proverbs 28, 13 says, if we cover our sins, we'll not prosper. But if we confess our sins, we'll receive grace and mercy. So God, forgive me of my attitude. Forgive me for cutting that person off. Forgetting for flipping them off. Forgetting for whatever, to, my, for the things that I have done willfully and the things that I didn't even know about. The intentional sins and the unintentional. The ones that I was conscious of and unconscious. So I confess it before you. I think one of the biggest mistakes we think is the more mature we get spiritually, the less we have to confess. I think the, the more spiritual mature you become, you realize what a sinner you are. And I think you spend more time in confession. So adoration, confession, ready, T, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Don't be anxious for every, anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. First Chronicles 16.34, give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. I've been talking a lot this morning. Let me let you talk. For, so what are some things that we can be thankful of in our prayer time? Just go ahead and lift up your hand. Thankful for what? Thankful for today. Hey, listen. Thank God that I'm here at church. I've got breath in my lungs. We just take this stuff for granted. So Friday night, my wife and I went to pick up her dad to go to dinner. We're fasting breakfast and lunch. And so we picked him up for dinner, going to Camarillo. And get on the freeway, get off at Johnson. You know where Johnson is right there. And take a left past Taco Bell, one of my favorite places. <laughs> and so we take, a, we take a, a right there on Bristol, right there in Bristol. And then all of a sudden there's boom, about six or seven cars. We notice up on the right side there's a truck that's it's on the wrong side of the street, upside down. And we see a, a young girl, kind of half of her body outside of the window of the truck. And it doesn't look good, like at all. And I don't know, we, we probably missed the accident by two or three minutes. And so everybody, a couple of people got out and then the car was smoking. We, we kind of moved around and because there was enough people that had stopped by that time. And um, so we kept driving. We 
went and picked it. It rocked me. It rocked me. So I text my friend Andy Ortega. He's here in the service here because he's his fire chief and he still gets access. I said, hey, can you let me know like the status of this girl? And I don't know, a couple minutes later, he texted and said she was DOA. So you, maybe you read about it in the paper, but it kind of like messed me up. And I think we just like, especially listen, young people, you just think like, oh, I'm going to live forever and ever, 34-year-old girl and just drive it too fast and went to eternity. Just reminds me, man, our, our, listen, our life is like a vapor. I, I know that's, that's a heavy story, but like, God, thank you today that I, I could wake up today. And maybe I'm not in perfect health, but thank you that you gave me another day to live. And now think about this 34-year-old girl, and we were just thinking about like how it rocked her family and all the people that was affected by that. And God, thank you that you got me here to church today. Thank you that even though I have a diagnosis over my life, I'm grateful that I'm here. I've got breath in my lungs. I mean, we, we could just go on and on about how, like, think about where we live. You're like, oh, it's been really rainy. It's just driving me crazy. I know. But think about all the places you could live. You could be living in the Middle East. You could be living in Ukraine right now and getting bombed. And praise God that we are living in one of the best states and the best counties on the planet. We can thank God for where we live. And we can thank God for a church that, like, churches all over the world, they, they can't do what we're doing right now. They have to meet underground. They, they can lose their life. And praise God for the freedom that we have in our country and the fact that we can get together and have church together, right? Praise God that we, we have a house to live in. You're like, oh, it's like a two-bedroom apartment. I, I know, but pray, like, thank God for the two-bedroom apartment before he gives you the house. So thank God for electricity. Listen, I've traveled. I've been on mission trips. A lot of countries in the world don't have electricity. I mean, you're just eating dinner and boom, the whole city shuts down for a couple hours. Thank God that we have electric running water. You can just go into your cabinet, and I know your kids say the same thing. There's nothing to eat here. <laughs> nothing to eat? It's just like there's, I remember a kid, summertime, there's nothing to do. Sure, it's so boring. One time I took him in the garage and listen, you got a bike there? You got golf clubs right there? You got a pool next door? Neighbor has a pool, why don't you go swimming? Here's a skateboard. Shut up. There's a lot to do, right? And I think we complain so much. And let, so t in our prayer time, just God, thank you. Thank you. Hey, praise God you have a job. Stick and hate my job. At least you have a job. At least you have a job. Be thankful for the job that you have now. And then maybe God will give you a better job or a different job. So third thing is like, thank, like how many, we, could, we, could, we could camp here for a long time in our private life. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then here's the, the last thing is. Supplication. It's a big church word. It just means to ask humbly and earnestly. It's mentioned 60 times in the Bible. So he says in verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. Okay, but if I got a need and God already knows my need, why should I even pray anyhow? If I have a need and God already knows my need, why should I pray anyhow? Do you have kids? How many have kids? And then um, if they ever need, if, especially if they're younger, if they need help with something, Lifting something, helping you with something, homework, math, up until like fifth grade. I, I could help up until like fourth or fifth, and I'm like, oh, go ask your mom. I don't remember what an integer is. 
And you start putting letters in math, I'm out of there. By the way, when I went to college, here's the first class I took. It was just called math. <laughs> you know, I'll, you know I, I was so dumb. It was just like, what class? I'm in math. No, I, but what kind of math? I don't know. The book just says math. No, doesn't say algebra or trigonometry. Just math. I'm in math. So, but listen, when your kids want something, need help for something, right? You want, don't you want to help them? You just want them to ask. Why? Because in asking, it shows dependency. So yeah, God already knows, but he says, give us this day our daily bread. So he knows the needs that we have, but he wants us to ask because it shows dependency. So, so I, I've got a book. I've got a book with my Bible, and it's just a little prayer thing. And so in my book, I actually have a list of people. I have 11 people right now that I'm praying for for salvation. Some family, some neighbors, and uh, I'm praying for salvation. I'm praying for people in our church that need healing emotionally and physically. Every night, I think almost every night for the last three or four months, Tam and I take communion together and we kind of go through a list of people we're praying for. And uh, so we, we just ask for our needs and we ask for the needs of other people. Supplicate. So we ask God to meet our needs. By the way, be, be careful of these kind of prayers. I want to call uh, the first one kind of teach, preach prayer. You ever been around somebody that doesn't really pray, but they like preach while they're praying? Father, we thank you for our time together that your word says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, you're faithful. And by the way, God, that that word confess there in the Greek, it means metanoia. And it's mentioned 49 times in the New And you're just like, no, you're not really praying. You're like preaching. You're trying to impress people with how much, right? So just be careful, preach, teach prayers. Uh, here's another thing I wrote down. Be careful of gossip prayers. Father, we, um, here we are in the circle, God, and we lift our brother Bill to you. You know Bill, 1372 North 8th Street. He works at Home Depot he, at the night shift. And we know that your word says to be specific in prayer. So we lift up our brother Bill who's struggling with alcohol and drugs right now. And you, and you know, right, you're just like, dude, you're, you didn't pray for Bill. You put him on blast. Be careful of that. Be careful of this kind of prayer, like need meeting prayer. I'm not talking about like our needs to God, but <laughs> I've been in groups like that for people, right? Dear Jesus, here we are on a Tuesday night with my sisters in the Lord, and they told me that after this prayer time that they're all going to go to dinner together. But you know that I don't have enough money to go with them. <laughs> so, Father, I just pray that you would provide some way that I'd be able to join them in the near future. So please hear my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. amen. And then one of the girls says, what, you don't have any money? No, no, how did you know? No, 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 here's what we'll do. Why don't, hey, if you don't have the money, we'll all pitch in and we'll make sure that you can go, really? That is so sweet, praise the Lord, he met my, no, no, you played the crowd. <laughs> Need-oriented prayers, be careful of those. The priority of prayer, the plan of prayer, make me sound good up here, point number three. The power, the power of prayer. Someone said the power. By the way, have you noticed everything in our culture is getting smaller? Computers are getting smaller. When I was a youth pastor, cell phones just came out. And all the pastors would rotate who would be on call that weekend. And they literally gave me a suitcase for the cell phone. It was like, it was like 
suitcase and big, the phone was like this big, like, hello, and all these plugs and stuff. And I mean, today you have everything on a little, but just like a little, everything is getting small cars. Used to be like big suburbans, now smart cars. I like this big. Don't get in a crash in one of those things. Everything's getting smaller, smaller, smaller. Listen, I wonder if our prayers are getting smaller. What if our prayers are getting smaller? He says, we have not because we, and I think that we don't pray. Listen, I don't, I don't think we pray because we're not desperate like we used to. Look at me. We started the church in 97. We had 40 people. Half of those people said, we'll come with you for a couple months. We're going to go back to the mother church. We didn't have a building. We didn't have any money. We had nothing. We had no brains. But I'll tell you, we had a zeal to reach a city. And we were like, God, if you don't come through, we will not be able to feed our kids. Like those kinds of prayers. But then God starts blessing and you don't need them as much. I mean, there's great power in prayer. So when I got diagnosed, I wasn't praying about my health that much. When you get diagnosed with cancer, woo, it's time to wake up and get serious. Because you get, you get desperate. I mean, when you're newly saved, and you're on fire, you're desperate, and you want to see your whole family and all your friends come to life in Jesus Christ. Listen, prayer, ready? Prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. That's prayer. It's the difference between what the best of you can do and what God can do. Let me ask you a question. If God answered all of your prayers in the last seven days, what would he have answered? Well, it was so cool because we went to dinner on Friday night at the collection. It was just like packed. And I didn't really want to park far away from the Cheesecake Factory. So I prayed. I prayed right when I turned in there. I prayed that God would open a parking spot. And wouldn't you believe it? Like right when we pulled off, a guy was pulling out and we... By the way, that's awesome. That, that's great that he answered that prayer. I'll tell you, man, every, every day, every day for the last couple of weeks, I... Get on the freeway at a certain time. There's always, it's always backed up about Del Norte, just to the other side of the grade, about where Wendy is. And it's just like, it just frustrates me. And I've been losing my mind. So it's so cool. Like on Monday, I just got on the freeway and I said, God, can you clear the traffic? You're not going to believe what happened. You're not going to believe what happened. So I got, I got to Del Norte and it was just like, it was like the Red Sea. And it was, and listen. And praise God for that. Huh? I don't like driving in traffic. Praise God that he answers those prayers. No, no, it wasn't that. Now see, the day after Christmas, I went to Hobby Lobby. Because I'm trying to get some Christmas stuff for next year and it's just so expensive. But they had a, I was just praying. I was like, God, I hope they have a good sale. And I walked into everything. All the Christmas stuff was 90% off. And I, I just stopped there in the middle of the aisle and I said, thank you, God. I, Listen, that is awesome. I'm glad that you saved money. And let's keep praying for parking lots and sales and no traffic. But I say we upgrade it. Hey, hey, how about this? How about we just really believe God, the same God, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Did he, listen, did he open up blind eyes in the New Testament? Yes. So listen, pray for parking spots, pray for discounts, pray that God will bless you and that he'll open up the traffic. But how about this? Pray for open eyes. For the deaf, the deaf to hear, the, the, the crippled to rise up, cancer to be eradicated. Hey, addiction, addiction to be broken. 
How about reconciliation in families, marriages that were headed for divorce? Then we're going to step in the gap and pray, and God is going to answer. Come on, we 21 days, we're in day, what, number seven or eight? We're praying, and we're fasting, and we're seeking God. And let's pray for the small things. I'm not, I'm not minimizing those. But I'm not just the only one in our church that has cancer. There are several of us. How about this? God, you did it in your time, do it in our time. You, you don't even have people on your row right now. You have no idea the need. Because we, we get the connect cards, we get the phone calls. Job loss. Just found out my spouse cheated on me. Kids are going sideways. I was addicted for two years. God set me free. I'm back in the addiction. I tell you, they need a touch from God. And let's keep praying the small things. But I, I say we, we upgrade our prayer life and say, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Listen, is healing part of God's will? Yes. So why won't we pray for certain people? They die. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I prayed for a lot of people that passed on to eternity. But how many know eternity is not the booby prize? God is sovereign. God is in control. Here's what I do know. If I don't pray for someone, I, I, I'm guaranteed that they're going to go to heaven. But what if I say, you know what? They haven't been able to see their whole life. Or this cancer is uncurable. But you know what? God is our healer. I stand in the gap for my brother, my sister, and I believe. And so what if God performs a miracle? I pray for a lot of people that went on to heaven. I don't understand God. He's sovereign. He's in control. He's God. That's why he's, he is who he is. I just know that God's called me to pray. Listen, the Bible is filled with people that prayed big prayers. Hannah couldn't have a child. So she prayed, and the Bible says she wept bitterly. And God gave her a son, not just a son, Samuel. He was a rock star. He was a powerful prophet. Jonah in the belly of the well for three days. How would you like to be there? Probably smelled pretty bad. And he prayed and God delivered him. That's a picture of some of us that are trapped in something and God wants to deliver you. How about this? Joshua. Joshua was getting defeated by the enemies and he said, Lord, I'm going to pray this crazy prayer. I'm going to pray because I need some more sunlight that the sun would stand still did, and it gave him enough time to defeat his enemies. Peter, the crippled guy, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, rise in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. Why don't we see that anymore? Because we don't pray for those things anymore. You go to Africa with me, it's a whole different world over there, because they don't have doctors and medicine and everything that we have, and it's like, God, you need to come through or else. We're just like, oh, I'll just go to the doctor, take some pills and stuff. No, no. I say we just pray big prayers. How about, how about, we've had so many prophetic words over our church about the city of Oxford, how God was going to use a new life, and it hasn't really materialized like we've heard. How about, God, here's, here's my sermon title, I'm giving it to you. At first things first, Lord, send revival. I'll tell you, my friend Mike, Dr. Michael Brown's been here a couple times, he wrote a book called Revival or We Die. The culture is just going, and if God doesn't step in and do some stuff, we're in trouble. Our, our kids, our grandkids, my wife and I have talked like, when we have grandkids, I don't, 
we want to send them to a public school, even like Christian schools today? It's crazy. God, we need you to move. Revival or we die. So let, that we would pray for revival on our city, revival on our nation. Listen, unless God comes, we are in serious trouble. You, you believe that? But prayer is powerful, so the Bible says we have not because we ask not. So I got saved in 1985. I had a passion to see my family one to Jesus, especially my dad. I've told you my dad. He was, he was so opinionated, and I love him, but he was old school. I told you we didn't have timeouts in our house. He was, and you have a relative like this, you're like, okay, God, if they get saved, then there is a God. That was my dad. I'm like, I know you're a God, but he's a tough cookie. You know what I'm talking about? So I went to Bible college and we went on staff at South Coast as youth pastors and I would invite all my family members. And finally one Sunday, my dad's like, yeah, I'm gonna come. By the way, why are we surprised? We pray and then God answers and we're like. (laughs) I was like, "He, he came to church? And he came to church and then after the service, I'd give an invitation, no response. Next Sunday, invitation, no response. Invitation, I was peeking. I know when the pastor says, close your eyes, I wasn't closing my eyes. I was just like, it. and finally, because he, he's so stubborn after like six or seven months, finally, anybody, and he, I, he was, he, I was like, are you kidding me? My dad got saved? It was like Beelzebub coming to life. I was like, my dad got saved, right? And I was shocked. And then, and then I'll tell you, we would go out, go to his house, you know, several times. You see his Bible out on the coffee table. I'm like, this is insane. Have his Bible out, he'd be praying. He started feeding the homeless on the avenue in Ventura. We started the church a couple years later. He was our first usher, our head usher. It was crazy. I'm like, this is insane. You, you have someone like that? You have a coworker, a friend, you're like, there's no, I'm telling you, let's pray powerful prayers and let's see what God will do. Let's upgrade our prayers. We have not because we ask not. Let's start asking. Let's start asking for the glory of God. James 5, 16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Again, people in your row, people in our church, people watching online. And they're addicted to something and they can't shake it. We need to stand in the gap for them. Well, there's couples in here and you're sitting next to each other, but that's not a picture of your marital life. It's falling apart, it's in shambles. And I stand in the gap for you. And listen, we've seen couples divorce in our church and we remarry them. Nothing's too big for God. Is is anything too difficult for God? By the way, if you have something in your life that you're faced with that's not intimidating to you, it's probably insulting to God. Like, man, this is so big. I know, but he's a big God. And prayer is... Powerful. Let me quote it again, James 5, 16. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. In other words, it makes a difference. So God, open up blind eyes, we pray. Provide, even this week, God, provide jobs, we pray in the name of Jesus. Would you agree with me? Provide jobs in Jesus' name. Heal diseases in Jesus' name. God, where there's family conflict, bring resolution. Bring healing for families. 
God, I declare Acts 16, 31, you said when we were saved that we and our whole household would be saved. We pray for household salvation. Would you agree with me? Come on, say it in Jesus' name. I agree. Come on. We pray for jobs in our church. Some people need jobs like this week. They don't know how they're going to pay the bills at the end of the month. Praise God that you have a job, but some people lost their job. We pray for jobs in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. You provide all of our needs according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. For healing, I declare healing from sick bodies to cancer, everything in between. I declare healing in Jesus' name. So, God, we thank you beforehand. We thank you right now for what you're going to do in our church. God, the calls are going to come in. The cards are going to come in. And Pastor Steve prayed on Sunday morning, and here's what happened. We give you thanks because miracles are coming in Jesus' name. Say, yes, they are. Say, yes, they are. Come on, say it by faith. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Your friends and family, go ahead and close your eyes, friends and family members that you've been praying for. Some of them have never begun a relationship with Christ. Some have had a relationship and they've walked away. Your kids went sideways. Your grandkids want nothing to do with Jesus. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we elevate the name of Jesus Christ. And we say, God, your kingdom come. Your, your will be done. God, it's your will for people to come to life in Christ. In fact, you say... You're not slow, as some people consider slowness, but you're patient. The reason why you haven't come again is because you don't want anybody to perish. So God, we left up coworkers and friends and family members, and we call them out in the name of Jesus. Save them, we pray. Come on, would you join with me? By faith, by faith, come on. We, we agree in Jesus' name. For the prodigals that walked away, God, at one time they came to this church or another church, they were on fire for you. They read the word of God and they prayed and they sought you and now they want nothing to do with you. We call them back to the fold in Jesus' name. Just like in Luke chapter 15, the prodigals are running home right now, we declare it in Jesus' name. Finances are being met in Jesus' name. Need, all kinds of needs are being met, not for our selfish gain, but God, for your glory. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you that you hear our prayers. God, help us to be a people that prioritize prayer. So do it, God. Do it so that you can receive all the glory, so that you can receive all the honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, come on, everyone said. Let's seal it together with an applaud. Amen. In Jesus' name.